we're there in Job chapter number 24, and of course on Wednesday nights we've been walking through the book of Job, one chapter a week, and we've been studying the book of Job, and as you are well aware, if you've been with us, the book of Job is primarily the conversation uh, between Job and his friends, and it is divided into three sections, three rounds, where Job speaks, they respond, Job responds to them. And we are actually making it towards the end of these conversations. Job is actually, uh, in this chapter, giving his final response to Eliphaz. And uh, Bildad will speak for the last time in the next chapter. And then we'll be done with Job's friends, which I'm excited about. Job will speak for a few chapters. Then we'll have a new guy, Elihu, enter the conversation. We'll deal with him as when we get there. And then God speaks. And that's probably the best part of uh, the book of Job. And we'll have a good time looking at that. In verse 1, the Bible says this, Why, seeing times are not hidden from the Almighty, do they that know Him not see His days? Job begins this chapter with this question. And I want you to understand the context of the chapter, and it's really within the context of this question. Job begins by expressing the fact that his friends are making a simplistic argument. And the simplistic argument that they're making is basically this. It is wicked people are always punished on this earth. And not only are they making the argument that wicked people are always punished on the earth, but they are also making the argument that wicked people are only punished on this earth. So they are always punished, and it is only the wicked that are punished. Therefore, Job must be wicked since he is apparently being punished. This is the simplistic argument being made by Job's friends. Only wicked people are punished. Always wicked people are punished. And if Job is being punished, therefore he must be wicked. So Job asks this question, and it's in verse 1. He says, why seeing times are not hidden from the Almighty. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, if nothing is hidden from God, and he's not criticizing God. He's saying, if God sees the judgment of the wicked, if nothing is hidden from God, why doesn't God always allow us to see his judgment on the wicked? That's the question here. Why seeing times are not hidden from the Almighty, do they, the they there is referring to him and his friends, the, the ones he considers righteous, do they that know him not see his days. His days there is referring to the day of judgment, the day that God judges. So Job asks this question. He says, if, if, if nothing's hidden from God, if God sees the day of the judgment, why doesn't God always allow us to see the judgment of the wicked? And again, Job is not criticizing God. He is really trying to poke a, a hole in the argument of his Friends, he is simply making the point that we do not always see the judgment of God upon the wicked uh, of this earth. It is true that God judges them, but we, as those that know God, do not always get to see it. So this proves that his friend's argument is wrong and very simplistic. And what Job does, he spends the rest of this chapter, and we'll go through it verse by verse, arguing the fact that the wicked prosper 
And yes, they are punished by God, but we do not always get to see their punishment. Job makes three points in this uh, chapter. I'll just give them to you up front, and uh, we'll outline the chapters we go through. First, he speaks about the oppression of the wicked. Then he speaks about the iniquity of the wicked. And then he ends by speaking of the judgment of the wicked. So I want you to notice the first section of this chapter, the oppression of the wicked. Look at verse 2. He begins to outline this idea of how the wicked oppress others. Verse 2, he says this, Some, referring to the wicked, remove landmarks. Now, a landmark in the Bible was something, usually a rock or a pile of rocks, that they would put somewhere to mark the land. It was called a landmark for that purpose. It would mark the property line of, of, of an owner so that if you had two neighbors that had property next to each other, there would be a landmark there that would show where one person's property ends and another person's property begins. And what people would do during these times is that they would slowly, usually in the middle of the night or nobody was looking, they would slowly move that landmark. That's what he's saying. He says, some remove the landmark. He says, if you've got property up to here, this is my property and this is my neighbor's property and there's a pile of rocks right here that marks where my property is and their property begins, if you could remove that landmark over, you'd be giving yourself more property. Now, obviously, you couldn't just go and take that landmark and, and move it, you know, 12 feet over. That's going to be extremely obvious. But if you could, in one night, move it a couple of inches, on another night, move it a couple of inches, and maybe over weeks or over months, move it two or three feet in the other direction, then you could give yourself land. You could literally steal land from your neighbor. And this is what Job is referring to. He says, uh, some remove the landmarks. And by the way, there's a spiritual application here. This is mentioned in the book of Psalms in the sense that we've got landmarks in regards to spiritual landmarks, things we believe. We're actually filming an, uh, a season right now called Landmarks, where we go to physical landmarks and talk about spiritual landmarks and things that we believe as Christians. And we ought not let people move those landmarks. We ought not let people move the landmarks that we have that have been handed down to us. But here he says, some remove landmarks, referring to the fact that they take property that does not belong to them. Then he says this, they violently take away flocks and feed thereof. He, they take other people's flocks violently and then they feed off of those flocks. They uh, eat from the flocks that other people, uh, that, that they've stolen from other people. Look at verse 3. They drive away the ass of the fatherless. So they, the ass, it would be a, a, a equipment or a source of income. The fatherless is referring to an orphan. And they drive away, he says, these wicked people, they drive away the ass of the fatherless. He says they take riches from the poor, from the orphan. They take the widow's ox. For a pledge, and a pledge again is security for a loan. So a widow who would need a loan for something, and all she has to her name is maybe this ox that is used uh, not as a pet, but as a source of income, as a source of of providing uh, for herself and, and her family. And these wicked rich men would take that ox as a pledge, as a security to make sure she paid her debt. They would take her ability to make money as a security that she would pay back a loan. Look at verse 4. They turn, 
And the idea there is they turn away. We'll see that word in a second. They turn away the needy out of the way. The needy are in the way. People in need are in the way, and they turn them away. The poor of the earth hide themselves together. These rich, wicked people, they're so uh, uh, evil and fearful that when the poor of the earth, when they see them, they don't even, they just hide themselves together from them. Notice verse 5, Behold, as wild asses, he says, like animals in the desert, go they forth to their work. It's like their job to oppress the poor. It's like their job to oppress people. Rising betimes for a prey. The word betimes means early, that they rise up early to go hunting. Not literally hunting, but to go for the prey of the poor, to oppress the orphan, the widow, those that are needy. The wilderness yieldeth food for them and for their children. They reap everyone his corn in the field, and they gather vintage of the wicked. Notice verse 7. They cause the naked to lodge without clothing, that they have no covering in the cold. They take the last piece of clothing, literally, off of the back of someone and, and cause the naked to lodge without clothing. And then these people, these poor that have had their clothes taken away, uh, either as a pledge or just because it's been violently taken from them. Job says in verse 8, they are wet with the showers of the mountains. They don't have anything to cover themselves with. And embrace the rock for want of shelter. They don't have anywhere to, 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 to have shelter and they uh, embrace the rock. He says, look at verse 9. They pluck the fatherless from the breast. They take a pledge of the poor. They take securities of the poor. And I'm not going to take the time because we've already looked at these. These are all, you know, these friends are just kind of, uh, a lot of these things are being repeated over and over. And Job's bringing up things that they've already talked about. But these things are expressly forbidden in the law of God to take uh, 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 the, the raiment from a poor man. Uh, as a pledge, it was supposed to be returned back to him uh, at night so that he would be able to uh, have heat and clothe himself and to take uh, these pledges and these things, this advantage that they are taking uh, of, the, of the poor and the weak. Notice verse 10. They cause him to go naked without clothing, and they take away the sheaf of the hungry. A sheaf there is referring to a bundle of grain. They, they've got uh, the hungry have a bundle of grain that they could bring food out of and it's taken away by the poor by the rich look at verse 11 which make oil within their walls so these poor when we're talking about these poor we're not talking about you know these bums out here that are a bunch of drug addicts that refuse to work that's not these people these people are working look at verse 10 they uh, excuse me verse 11 which make oil within their walls the poor that are being oppressed are making oil are producing oil within the walls of the rich wicked. They're employed by the wicked and tread their wine presses. They, they work in, in treading the wine presses. And of course, in these days, the people would have to tread. They would take their shoes off and with their bare feet would actually step on and tread the grapes in order to bring the wine out. And he says, look, in verse 11, which make oil within their walls, and tread their wine presses and suffer thirst. He says these poor people working for these wicked rich elites, they work making wine and then they suffer thirst. They're not even allowed to drink of the wine that they work in. And look, these things are actually forbidden in the law of God. You know, however the secular world wants to do business, this is not how God teaches God's people to do business. The Bible says, muzzle not the ox that treadeth out the corn. 
The Bible actually teaches that if somebody's working, you know, if you own a restaurant and, and you've got employees there and they're working all day, you know, you got to let them have a free lunch. That's actually what the Bible says, that you should be able to feed off the food uh, that you're working or that you're doing. And if these people are working, making wine, they shouldn't be going home thirsty. You know, even Subway lets you have a, a free Coke when you're an employee, you know, working there or whatever, uh, you know. But he says these people are so cheap, they're so greedy, they don't even let them have a cup, a cup of wine, you know, when they're working all day creating the wine. He says, which make oil within their walls and tread the wine presses and suffer thirst. Look at verse 12. Men groan from off the city and the soul of the wounded crieth out, yet God layeth not folly to them. And here's what Job is just saying. Job is making this point. And do me a favor. Keep your place there in Job. That's our text for tonight. Go with me to the New Testament book of James. James chapter number 5. We start at the end of the New Testament and head backwards. You have Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, and 1st Peter, James. Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, 1st John, 2nd, 1st Peter, James. Job is saying, these wicked people, because remember, he's making the argument that we don't always see the judgment of the wicked. We don't always see them be judged by God. We know they are judged by God, but we don't always get to see it. It's not, it's, sometimes it's hidden from us. But he's making this argument that these people do these things and then he says, yet God layeth not folly to them. And he says, it seems, that's what Job is saying, it seems like you watch these people and God is not judging them. And, and I just want to highlight the fact that the Bible teaches this concept that in general, and again, I'm not, ta- you know, I'm not, I'm not speaking about everybody at this point, Um, But in general, the Bible teaches this concept that the rich are in general, generally speaking, the rich are wicked and they oppress. Now, does that mean every rich person is wicked? No. Does that mean that every rich person oppresses? No. But the uh, exception proves the rule. When you find a very humble, down-to-earth, non-arrogant, generous, rich person, It's an amazing thing, because generally speaking, the Bible teaches that the rich are wicked, and the rich are the ones that oppress. This is what the Bible says, and and, and, you know, sometimes you preach these things, and people, they don't don't like it. Are you preaching against capitalism, you Venezuelan communists, you know? (laughs) But here's the thing, I don't care what you say, that's what the Bible says. James chapter 5, look at verse 1, look, in the Bible... You'll find this concept. This is what Job is saying. Look, by the way, Job was a rich man. And he's saying, and he says, let me tell you what I saw my rich peers doing. They were taking advantage of the poor. They were taking advantage of the weak. They were oppressing. They were cheap. They were not generous. They were not uh, 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 good uh, people. James chapter 5, verse 1. Notice what the, we, saw, we saw from Job in the Old Testament. Look at it from James in the New Testament. James 5, verse 1. Go to now, ye rich men. Notice what James says to the rich men. Weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rest of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Notice what he says. Ye have heaped treasures together. This is what rich people do. 
They just heap treasures together, try to amount and try to accumulate as many riches, as many toys, as much wealth as possible. You have uh, heaped treasures together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fears, which is of you, notice what he says, kept back by fraud. I mean, here James is talking to these rich people, and he says, yeah, you've, re- you've heaped up a lot of treasure. But, you know, you've done it by keeping back, by fraud, the hire of the laborers which have reaped down your field. He says, you've been ripping off your, uh, your employees. He says, the hire of the labor who hath reaped down your field, which is of you, kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. The word Sabaoth there means armies or uh, security. And he says, look, you've been ripping off the poor. You've been oppressing the weak. And the cries have been heard in the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Look at verse 5. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and have been wanton. The word wanton means unrestrained. You've done anything, you've gone anywhere, you've, you've, you've spent anything. You have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, notice, you have condemned and killed the just and he doth not resist you. The just does not resist you because the just cannot resist you. You have all the power. You have all the strength. Look, here's what I'm telling you. The Bible says, in general, it is the rich who oppress us. This is how it was in the Bible. This is how it was. This is how it's been throughout history. I mean, you hear of names like the Rothschilds, and you hear of names like the Rockefellers, and you hear of names like the Vanderbilts, and what do you hear? You hear of rich elites oppressing the poor. Rich elites, you know, creating banking systems, creating debt uh, 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 cultures, creating debt economies to keep all of us who are dumb enough to listen to them down. And they've just been taken advantage. And look, that's how it was during the times of Job. That's how it was during the times of uh, James. That's how it was in our modern history. And let me let you in on a little secret. That's how it is now. I mean, it is these multi-millionaire politicians that are passing laws to oppress us. I mean, if you're interested, just take the time to type in words like Joe Biden, net worth. You know what you'll find? He's a millionaire. You know what you'll find? He wasn't a millionaire when he went to Congress, but he's a millionaire now. wonder how that happened. Type in names like Kamala Harris, net worth, millionaire. Gavin Newsom, net worth, millionaire. Nancy Pelosi, net worth, millionaire. I'm not, I, I, you know, I didn't write them down, but I mean, we're talking about Nancy Pelosi, like $129 million. Andrew Cuomo, millionaires. Look, there's no new thing under the sun. These multi-millionaire politicians. Job looks and says, these rich, rich, wicked people have been just oppressing us, have been, you know, taking advantage of the poor, and there's nothing different today. Isn't it the multi-millionaire politicians are passing laws to oppress us today? Isn't it the billionaire Elon Musk who's developing something called Neuralink and computer brain chip? with the ability to communicate with external devices? I mean, doesn't that sound a lot like the mark of the beast? And I'm not saying he's developing the mark of the beast, but I will tell you this, he's developing the technology that will become the mark of the beast. 
Isn't it the billionaire Jeff Bezos, whose company has developed a product now called Amazon One, a fast, convenient, contactless way for people to use their palm to pay at a store, present loyalty cards, enter, a loca- enter into a location like a stadium, or badge into work more effortlessly? I mean, doesn't this sound like the mark of the beast? Isn't it the billionaire Bill Gates who's trying to vaccinate the entire world and force harmful vaccines upon all our children? Isn't it the billionaire uh, uh, Sundar uh, Pachui, the CEO of Google, who's tracking all of us? Who's keeping track of everybody and knows where you're at and knows where you're going and knows what you like and for some reason knows everything you want to buy? I mean, isn't it the billionaires and the millionaires of the CEO social media sites? Isn't it the Mark Zuckerbergs? Isn't it the Jack Dorseys? Isn't it the, the Kevin Systrums of Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and YouTube that are censoring us or canceling our account? Look, I, here's, I, here's what I'm telling you. In general, it is the rich who oppress you. It is the rich who attack you. It is the rich who try to steal your liberties, who try to get you incarcerated, who try to put uh, you down. And Job, Job's just saying, he's looking around, he's saying, I'm looking at all these rich people, and it doesn't look like any of them are being judged. And there's no new thing under the sun. It's happening today. Say, so, well, what should we do? Go to the book of Proverbs, if you would. Keep your place there in James. We're going to come back to it. Go to Proverbs chapter 11. You're there, Job. You got Psalms. And then you got the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter number 11. Let me give you four steps just real quickly. We'll take just a little bit of a break from Job and give you four steps in regards to, you know, what should we do? What should we do to, in regards to, 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 to dealing with these things? You know, the Bible is, gives us answers for every, every question of life. And when it comes to our finances, you know, there's some things that God tells us to do. Number one, we should, we should be honest in our financial dealings. As Christians, we should be known as people that are honest. Amen. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 1 says this, A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Here we have an example of somebody, in these days you would use balances to figure out the weight of something and the cost of something, and some people would try to rip others off by having a false balance having a balance that was crooked in such a way that it would make things cheaper for them and more expensive for others. And the Bible says a false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just way is his delight. If you're going to have a system of weighing things, it better be just is what the Bible says. Go to Proverbs chapter 20, look at verse 23. Same idea. Proverbs 20 and verse 23. The Bible says diverse weights are an abomination unto the Lord and a false balance is not good. You know, as God's people, we should be known as people that are honest. We should be honest in our financial dealings, meaning we should not deal falsely. We should not try to get one over on someone. We should not try to rip people off. We should not try to take advantage of people. We should deal in honesty. Go to Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28, verse 6. I mean, over the last 10 years in ministry, we've had all sorts of financial dealings with different businesses and even recently, there was a situation where we uh, had an interaction with a business, and they said they were going to do something for a certain amount, and, you know, I was a witness to it, and Brother Oliver was a witness to it, and when it comes down to it, you know, the price changes all of a sudden. 
It didn't change by much, but it changed enough to notice. And it's like, hey, I thought you said you were going to do it for this part. And like, oh, well, you know, all these things. You know, but, 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 you know, at the end of the day, I just think to myself, I'm not going to fight with somebody about money. I'm not going to let somebody walk out of here and say, you know, we ripped them off or we did something. You know, just pay them the amount and, and send them on their way. Because when it comes to our financial dealings, we should try to walk in light. We should try to walk in honesty. Proverbs 28, verse 6, the Bible says, Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. He says, look, it'd be better to be poor and honest than to be crooked and rich. So the rich oppress us. The rich are the ones, and again, not every rich person is a wicked person and all those things. And I'm not even saying that all these people that I listed tonight are all, you know, antichrist and they're trying to bring in the new world order. But I will say this, the Bible teaches this concept that in general, it is the rich who oppress us. It is, it was true in the Bible times and it is true today. But as Christians, as Christians, we should be honest in our financial dealings. Go to Colossians, if you would, Colossians chapter 4. In the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And you know, sometimes in business, you just have to suffer yourself to be defrauded. I mean, literally, that phrase which we use in, in relational uh, uh, conflict, and I don't think there's anything wrong with using it in relational conflict, but the literal context is within a dealing, a business dealing. Where somebody's suing another individual and Paul says, why don't you just suffer yourself? Why don't you just allow yourself to be defrauded? To be stolen up by, you know, to, when somebody says, we're going to do it for this price and then they get it done and now it's, you know, $300 more. And, and, and you say, hey, you know, what's the deal here? It's, oh, no, no, that's not what I said and bubble and this and that. You know, Paul says, just suffer yourself to be defrauded. Just, you know, the Lord will bless you. Amen. The Lord, you, you walk in the integrity of your honesty. And, you know, let me just give you some advice because we, we've got all sorts of business owners in our church and I appreciate all of them and everything they, they do. But if you decide to do business with somebody in church, you better go into it with this idea that if it doesn't go well, you're going to suffer yourself to be defrauded. And if you can't do that, then just don't work with people at church. And look, honestly, and I'm not saying that in a negative way, if, if you've got a project and it's a big deal and you need to be able to fire someone that's not doing a good job, then just find someone that you don't know. <laughs> but if you're going to do business with brothers in Christ, don't end up at the courthouse. That's actually forbidden by God. You know, turn the other cheek, suffer yourself to be defrauded. Uh, walk in honesty, and obviously you got two mature Christians working together and they're all walking honestly, then that will work out great. But the point is this, we should be honest in our financial dealings, even if others are not. Number two, we should be fair with our employees. Colossians chapter 4, look at verse 1. Masters, and you know, today we would call this boss, employer, Masters, notice, give unto your servants. A servant is an employee. That which is just and equal. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says with our employees that we should pay them that which is just and equal. You say, why would I want to do that? Knowing that ye, have, that ye also have a master in heaven? Knowing that God is the one that's going to pay you? 
You know, the Bible says, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal. You know, we as Christians should not have this mentality like, oh, let's just try to get people to work for us for as little as possible, just try to rip them off and get every penny out of them. You know, we should try to be generous with people. Now, obviously, we we don't want to just, you you need to, it doesn't say to give them, you know, way more than they're worth. It says to be just and equal. You know, and some people don't have the skills or the or the the experience or whatever, and they need to work their way up to that, and that's that's all well and good. But you know, we should not have this mentality that we're just trying to take advantage of employees. We should be uh, honest in our financial dealings, and we should be fair with our employees. Go back to the book of James. While you go there, let me read to you from Jeremiah twenty-two. Jeremiah twenty-two thirteen says this: "Woe unto him that builded his house." by unrighteousness, and his chambers by want, that useth his neighbor's service without wages, and giveth him not for his work. You know, don't have this mentality that, that people should just do stuff for you for free, and that, you know, you should try to rip them off for as much as possible. You know, the Bible says the labor is worthy of his reward. Somebody's working hard, and they're doing their job, give them that which is just and equal. We should be fair with our employees. We should be honest in our financial dealings. And then number three, we should not be respecter of persons. James chapter 2, look at verse 2. James chapter 2, verse 2. James 2, 2 says this, For is there come unto you assembly, unto your assembly? And again, an assembly is a church, a congregation. This is an assembly that we're in right now. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and a, go- and, and a goodly apparel... And there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not partial? The word partial means favoring one side above another. Are ye not partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? He says, you, you put yourself in a position of judgment. And look, people do this. And it's not right. And as, as God's people, you know, what to God that it's not done here. And if, it, if you do it in your heart and in your mind, you ought to stop it. Look, we should not, look, somebody should not drive into this parking lot driving whatever expensive car. I don't even know what cars are. You know, the Lord blessed me in the ministry by, for whatever reason, just made me super not care about any... I mean, sometimes people tell me about like, oh, so-and-so has this brand new, nice, whatever. And I'm like, is that, is that good? <laughs> they got this brand new Tesla that drives itself. I'm like, is that like a Honda? Like, I, I don't get... I don't know. What is that? You know? And I mean, I, I, I realize most men aren't like that. I'm just... I, I feel like that's helped me in ministry. I walk through that parking lot. I don't, I don't see cars. <laughs> I see bums. <laughs> I don't see cars. He says, are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren. He says, look, don't be a respecter of person. Look, if somebody walks in with a beat up car, you know, if somebody walks in with old clothes, somebody walks in with an old uh, tie that's stained up and a car that looks old and it's making weird noises, you know, if somebody walks in like that, Say, hey, pastor, how you doing? You know, um, just, you know, treat them nice. Don't have more respect for somebody just because they have a fancy car, because they have fancy clothes. None of that means anything. It's all going to burn up. 
Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you, is the point of the Bible. And draw you before the judgment seats. Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called. So we should be honest in our financial dealings, and we should be fair with our employees, and we should not be a respecter of persons. And lastly, let me give you this point. Go, go to 1 John chapter 3, if you would. You got, you're there in James, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1 John, 1 John chapter 3. We should be generous with those who are legitimately poor. We should be generous with those that are legitimately poor. Now, there, there are two extremes that I find, and, 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 and they're both wrong. One extreme, which is the extreme that many of our fundamental Baptist friends take, and I understand why, but it is an extreme that all poor people are wicked. All poor people, they're poor because they're lazy, all of them. Now look, yes, are there poor people that are poor because they're lazy? Yes. Are there poor people and bums out there that are just drug addicts, that are just living in sin, that are just unrighteous people? Absolutely. Should we be helping those people? You know, the Bible says if a man will not work, he should not eat. And when you enable, because that's what you're doing, when you give money to a bum on drugs, all you're doing is enabling them in their sin. And then there's this other extreme that says all poor people are righteous. And and they they can do nothing wrong, and we got to help all of them. But you know, as it is in extremes, you find that the truth is usually just generally somewhere in the middle. Because the truth is this, that there are some poor people that are just lazy and some bums out there who don't need help. They need tough love and they need to starve a little bit and maybe that'll help them get cleaned up. But you can't ignore the fact that the Bible says that there are some people out there that are generally, that are legitimately in need. And in fact, you know, I was talking to Brother Jared about this when we were doing the Landmarks episode, but one of the worst things that this bum culture, this homeless culture society has, has, has done is that it's caused us to not look at the poor. Because we see so many of these bums, we just stop looking at them in general. And, re- and, and you have to realize that there are some people out there that are working, that are trying, that are on drugs, and they're just poor. And it's our job. Look, the Bible says we should be generous with those who are legitimately poor. Not enabling drug addicts. Not enabling drunkards. Not enabling uh, uh, lazy people. But we should be general, uh, generous with those that are legitimately poor. First John 3, look at verse 17. But whoso hath this world's goods, and see if his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? So we should be honest in our financial dealings and we should be fair with our employees and we should not be a respecter of persons and we should be generous with those who are legitimately poor. Look, we should be the opposite of these rich, wicked people that oppress, that are cheap, that are mean, that all they want to do is grow their own wealth at the expense of others. Go back to Job 24. So Job begins by speaking about the oppression of the wicked. Then he talks about the iniquity of the wicked. Job 24. 
look at verse 13. He says, they are of those that rebel against the light. Talks about the wicked people and they, he says, they rebel against the light. They know not the ways thereof. They know not the ways of what? Of the light. Nor abide in the paths thereof. They don't abide in the paths of what? The paths of light. They reject the light. See, Job says the wicked reject the light. They rebel against the light. They don't know the ways thereof of the light. They don't abide in the paths thereof of the light. Go to the book of John, if you would, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The wicked, the wicked reject the light. What do we mean when we say the wicked reject the light? Well, what we mean is that they reject God. And specifically, they reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is the light. John chapter 8 and verse 12, Then spake Jesus against unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. John 8, 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You cannot, you cannot walk with Jesus, follow Jesus, and walk in darkness. Because if you're walking and following Jesus, you're following the light. I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light. But Job says, no, these wicked people rebel against the light. Look at John chapter 12 and verse 46. John chapter 12 and verse 46. John 12, 46. Just flip over a few pages. He says, I am come. I am come a light into the world. That whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Go, go back to John, if you would, John chapter number 3. John 3. While you turn there, let me just quote to you Psalm 119, 105. The Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. They reject the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the word, and then they reject the Bible, the word of God. Why? The wicked people reject the light. Isn't that the same thing that Jesus said? He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You say, why is that? Because wicked people reject the light. Because these rich, wicked people reject the light. John chapter 3. Generally speaking, not all of them. Generally speaking, John 3, verse 19. And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For every one of them doeth Evil, everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. Why don't they come to the light? Lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. See, it is sin that is done in darkness. This is what the Bible teaches. Keep your place right there in, uh, in John. Go, go back to Job. Notice, he talks about the fact that the, the, the wicked rebel against the light. Then he begins to give a list of these sins that are done in darkness. Job 24, verse 14, he says, The murderer, the murderer rising with the light, killeth the poor and needy, and in the night is as a thief. You know that crimes like murder and stealing are generally done at night? 
In fact, when they're done in the daytime, it is surprising to us. When these types of crimes are done in the daytime, it's surprising to us, and people make comments. They say, can you believe they did that in broad daylight? They make that comment because those things are not generally done in broad daylight. They're done in the night. He says, the murderer rising with the light killeth the poor and the needy, and in the night is as a thief. The eye also of the adulterer waited for the twilight, saying, no eye shall see me, and disguises his faith. He says, sins like adultery are done in the night. Notice verse 16. In the dark they dig through houses which they have marked for themselves. People break into houses, usually at night, which they have marked for themselves in the daytime. They know not the light. For the morning is to them even as the shadow of death. They, 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 the, the wicked people, they're afraid of the morning. They're afraid of the light because the light's going to expose them. If one know them, they are in the terrors of the shadow of death. He is swift as the waters. Their portion is cursed in the earth. He beholdeth not the ways of the vineyard. Go, go back to, uh, uh, go to Romans chapter 13, if you would. If you get your place in, in, in John, you've got Acts in the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 13. Look, sin is done in darkness. Now, there is a spiritual application that we should walk in the light, meaning we should live open lives, that our lives should not be in darkness, our lives should not be hidden. Look, if you're living and you're just hiding things and you're hiding where you go and who you talk to and things you're doing, that's, you're, you're doing terrible things. Amen. Because if you walk in truth, you go to the light. Amen. He that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest. He that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest the deeds should be reproved. So there's a spiritual application that we should walk in light and not in darkness. But look, there's also just a physical application that darkness is bad. I mean, you've heard me preach this before, and I'm going to continue to preach it. This is why bad places are usually dark. And if you adults don't want to acknowledge it or don't want to, uh, you know, uh, realize it or, or apply it to your lives, then go ahead and ruin your lives. But maybe I can at least uh, talk your kids into realizing that dark places are bad. Yeah, right. This is why casinos are dark. This is why bars are dark. This is why clubs are dark. This is why concerts are dark. This is why the liberal fund center churches are dark. I mean, just fit, you know, spiritually, yes, but even physically speaking. There's been restaurants where my wife and I went to, somebody gave us a, a gift card, and we walk in, and we're just like, yeah, we're not going to eat here. It's just too dark. It's just the atmosphere is not a good atmosphere. We should walk in light. Romans 13, verse 12. Notice what Romans 13 says. Romans 13, verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, notice the contrast, not in rioting. You know that riots happen at night? I mean, we just had a year with a bunch of riots. They scheduled their riots at night. They said, let's meet at 11 p.m. and start rioting. Why not noon? Not in rioting, 
and drunkenness and in Chamberlain, you know that drunk people get drunk at night. Chambering uh, means sexual immorality. These things are done at night. And wantonness means lust. These things are done at night, not in strife. You know, pe- people don't usually just get in some big old fight just, you know, first thing in the morning. They just roll out of bed and just like start fighting. You know when people usually fight? At night. Yeah, we're all, you know, I'm always fighting with my uh, uh, friends at night. I'm always fighting with my spouse at night. I'm always, why don't you just go to bed? <laughs> Not in strife. Envying. These things, look, the Bible says these are things that are done at night. And by the way, let me just say this. This is why I don't like, and you parents, do what you want, but I'm your pastor, and as long as you let me, I'm going to tell you whether you like it or not. I don't like these singles just being out at all hours of the night. I don't, I don't, look, you say, oh, pastor, you're just, you know, you're just a little fuddy-duddy, and you're just a little old-fashioned. Okay, but I don't want to have to stand up here and explain why your pregnant daughter had to get married at the courthouse. Oh, we didn't know they were engaged. They weren't engaged. You say, don't you trust our kids? No, I don't trust anybody. I don't trust you. I trust the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave me salvation. I don't want these kids out. Oh, they're going to go out and be in a restaurant till 1 in the morning on Sunday night. Why? Get home and go to bed. Nothing good happens at night. There's no need to be out in the dark. Put off the works of darkness. And, you know, you say, well, you don't want these kids to have fun. Let them have fun at noon. Let them go soul winning, go hang out at the park at 4 p.m. on Saturday with some adult supervision. I'm, I'm not against your fun. I'm against the dark. I'm against the sin. I'm against temptation. Here's all I'm saying. We should embrace light. Go back to Job 24. Job 24. You say, well, why do you have to bring it up? Because you don't ask. Why do you have to bring it up in a sermon? Because you never ask. You never ask for my opinion. You never ask for what I think. You never ask for, you know, what should be done. So I, I got to bring it up when you're here. I have to say here because I don't know if you're listening. I'm just speaking loud and hoping somebody hears. Job 24. He talks about the oppression of the wicked. Then he talks about the iniquity of the wicked. Then he talks about the judgment of the wicked. Look at verse 19. And, and look, I love our young people. That's why I'm preaching like this. Because we have good kids, and I want to keep them good. Job 24, verse 19. Drought and heat consume the snow waters. He says, so doth the grave those who have sinned. Because remember, he started with this idea. God sees everything. Nothing's hidden from God. Then why doesn't God let us see the judgment? And he's not criticizing God. He's criticizing his friends and they, they have this simplistic view that says, well, God always punishes the wicked. And Job says, no, he doesn't. He says, but God does punish the wicked. He says, so doth the grave those that have sinned. He says, eventually they either get it in this earth, they either get it in this life, or in the life to come. Amen. Look at verse 20. The womb shall forget him. The worm, I love this, this is probably my favorite phrase in this whole chapter. The poetic, you know, the book of Job's is in the poetic section of the Bible. The worm shall feed sweetly on him. Isn't that beautiful? 
he shall be no more remembered. The wickedness shall be broken as a tree. He evil entreateth the barren that beareth not, and he doeth not the good to the widow. He draweth also the mighty with power, he riseth up, and no man is sure of life. Though it be given him to be in safety, whereon he resteth, his eyes are upon their ways. They are exalted for a little while. You know that Jeff Bezos, you know that Elon Musk, you know that Nancy Pelosi, you know that Gavin Newsom, you know that Donald Trump, they're exalted for a little while, but are gone and brought low. They are taken out of the way, as all other, and cut off as the tops of the ears of corn. And if it be not so now, who will make me a liar and make my speech nothing worth? Go to Psalm 145. We'll finish up real quick. Psalm 145. He ends, he ends in verse 25 by saying, and if it be not so now, because he just got done making this argument. He says, if it be not so now, who will make me a liar and make my, my speech nothing worth? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong that I, what I just said is, is not true. Because here's the point that Job's making, because his friends are saying, here's the argument that his friends are making. Wicked people are always punished, and wicked people are only punished. So since it seems like you're being punished, Job, you must be wicked. And Job says, really? Because when I look around, it looks like wicked people aren't punished. In fact, very rarely do we get to see wicked people punished. He says, I know they get punished when they die and go to hell. He says, but we don't always get to see the punishment of the wicked. And he says, if it be not so now, who will make me a liar and make my speech nothing worth? And it seems like Job makes a pretty strong argument here because two of the three friends are done speaking. In the next chapter, the third friend speaks. He speaks for six verses and basically repeats himself again. And it seems like he either just decides to quit or Job interrupts him. But the conversation is basically done between Job and his friends. But the point is this, that though we see the wicked prospering on this earth, God will punish them, whether we see it or not. Psalm 145 and verse 20, the Bible says this, The Lord preserveth all them that love him but all the wicked will he destroy. We don't always get to see it. It may not look fair. It may seem like we're getting ripped off because we're trying to be fair in our business dealings and treat our employees well and have empathy and be generous. And it seems like the other guy is just getting ahead by stealing and being crooked. But you know what? All the wicked will he destroy, the Bible says. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this chapter. Thank you for the Bible and the fact that you teach us. And Lord, just help us to be people of the light. Help us to be people who walk in light. Help us, Lord, to, spiritually speaking, not walk in darkness, but also, Lord, help us to physically, just physically, to avoid places of darkness and to avoid darkness in general. And I realize that there are 
uh, men that work third shift and things like that, and that's not what I'm talking about. But Lord, I just pray you'd help us to just, you know, at nighttime, be at home with our families, in bed, doing things that are godly, and Lord, help us to be people of the light. Help us to cast off darkness and walk in light. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.